Welcome to another episode of the Symphony Podcast, where we break down one important topic each week in under 30 minutes or less. Today's Micropod Monday, and we've got a great topic today with a fantastic guest coming to us from Sayulita Nayarit, Dr. Aaron Rowan. And today's topic is on nervous system regulation, a big one, especially in the last year, and just overall being in control of our emotions and also understanding why things are happening on a biological and nervous system level. So I'm going to kick it to you, Dr. Aaron, to give us a little bit of background about what you've been studying, what you've been dedicating your life to, why you're so passionate about it, and we'll go from there. Cool. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, I've been fascinated in this operating system we call the nerve system for a long time before I even knew much about the nerve system. So I came from psychology. I did a degree in health psychology and behavioral change, and then I worked with autistic kids and ADHD kids. And then I wanted to know more about the brain and the body. So I went and did five years at chiropractic college. And then as a practitioner, life presents different challenges. Um, New Zealand and Christchurch, and we had uh, the 10-year anniversary was last week, the week before. We had big earthquakes in Christchurch where it's... um, Everybody in the city got affected, so a lot of patients were coming in with this body pain, this tension, and they didn't know why because there was no mechanical mechanism of injury why they'd have this neck pain or back pain, and it's because there's accumulation of stress. And so I delved in more into a certain technique called neuroemotional technique and applied kinesiology, which I which I've known about because my father's a, a practitioner also. Just the ability to be able to test a lot of muscle testing, a lot of functional neurology testing to get an understanding why people are holding tension in their body. So I've been fascinated with the, the way that the body impacts the mind and the way that the mind impacts the body ever since. Um, a series of events that we tend to call coincidences. I ended up in Mexico doing a workshop uh, with Dr. Joe Dispenza, which a lot of people have heard of now about neurobehavioral change. Um, I first followed him when he came to college in 2006 and he had a really big thing of if we know what our next six months is going to look like, then we're probably not going to create something new. It's probably going to be something we've already done. So that planted a seed for me and I was, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back home to, I was working in Sydney at the time. I don't know what I'm going to do, but follow, follow my bliss, I guess. And I ended up in this town in Sailita and, um, it's been three years. It's been amazing. I get to help and see some amazing people. I get to collaborate with some amazing people. I get to um, see people that have come down here on vacation or have decided to live here. Uh, people that are um, working nomads, digital nomads, that are looking for a different way of being in the world. Um, so it's a, it's a cool, creative, fun little place to be. It's, yeah, it's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And also welcome to the show, Dr. Aaron. It's, it's awesome to have you on here. Um, I've, I've heard a lot about you from Kyle and I know that you guys had a chance to link up when he was down in Mexico. And, and right after that happened, he talked to me and was like, we got to get him on the show immediately. He dropped so much knowledge and, and is just a really interesting, fascinating guy with some really cool practices. Um, and honestly, I'm, I'm kind of in need of some of that right now. I woke up with the worst kink in my neck that I've had in a long time. So I'm like, what, maybe that's some, 
some stored stress that's that's really going on um, that's being covered up in in some way or another but I think one thing that we've kind of mentioned on this show before so I'd love to hear you go a little bit more into it is just the concept of how the body stores stress and how that shows up physically um, within your body without really even knowing it so can you kind of maybe give a few examples of how that's showed up uh, maybe in some of your clients or, or what or what that typically looks like from your end yeah sure so we have this operating system called our nerve system our autonomic nerve system which happens without us thinking about it most people have heard of the idea of this fight or flight or freeze component of our nerve system called our sympathetic nerve system and then the complementary opposite of that because we are you know, to get deep on it, the human physiology, we are part of the universe. So it's, there's complementary opposites in, in everything around us. So the parasympathetic nerve system is the rest, digest, repair, and detox. And when we're in that alert phase or we're in that stimulatory phase where there's these news alerts all the time, then all of that gets taken in by our brain. And when that's stimulated for a long period of time, there's a certain manifestation of how that looks like in the body. So the head will come forward slightly, the pupils will bring in more light because this system of ours that's hundreds of thousands of years old is more alert now, more aroused to the threats around us. So our hearing will get more sensitive, the jaw may become really tight, we'll start collecting our shoulders as earrings, as the upper traps and the levator scap and scalenes get tighter. The scalenes are the muscles at the front of the neck, which is their accessory breathing muscles. When we're in that part of our brain, we're not going to be breathing the same from our diaphragm. So from about nipple line, about T7, T6, thoracic vertebra, superior and anterior, we get more nerve and blood supply because we need to either protect ourselves so the shoulders come forward or we're getting ready to fight. And so it's the opposite down below. So the pelvis will tilt more blood and nerve flow to the hamstring, to the calves, because we're ready to run. We're ready to either run or we're ready to fight. And so that's got to come from somewhere. So it gets shafted or shifted from our digestive system to our muscles. So we're ready to be more active. And that, and that initially can feel really good because we're, like, we're more alert. We've got more energy where we're using more resources. Blood sugar is going to change in the body. Um, we're ready to go. But then when we, when we stay in that state, the body's going to accumulate some of that tension. So that can be one reason why, gee, why are my shoulders so sore? Why, why are my hamstrings so tight? Why is my lower back uh, playing up? Because we're in that fight or flight, that sympathetic dominant posture. And then it affects hormones, it affects metabolism, it affects uh, females' menstrual cycles. The list goes on and on and on. When it comes to emotions, emotions can be stored in the body too, purely because the nerve system's main role is protection and connection. Its main role is not to wake up in the morning and let's be the healthiest version of ourselves. It's protection and it's connection. So just like when there's a, a stress going, our body will be in a certain posture. It'll also, when there's something traumatic happens to us, it's gonna take a snapshot of that event. So the silly, the silly metaphor I always use is pretend we've come from another planet. We don't understand the concept of, of heat or being burnt. We could talk about it for hours and hours and hours, or we could just put our finger for a millisecond on a hot element, and we're never, ever doing that again on purpose. 
because we're like, okay, that's, that thing that I just touched is really uncomfortable. I'm not going to do that again. So it takes a snapshot of these things that are traumatic. And trauma can be capital T, like some kind of abuse and really heavy stuff, or it can be like a small T, just anything that we're unprepared for, that our system didn't have resources for, that created a stress response that we didn't know what to do with. So these, these snapshots, if you like, is, um, are taken by a part of our brain to do with memories and emotion to put our limbic brain. So that our limbic brain takes snapshots of these traumatic moments so we, so we remember them. And so, because the nervous system is all about protection, so please don't do that again. And then through Chinese traditional medicine and some ancient ways of um, looking at the body, there's certain organs that are associated with certain types of emotions. And the way I describe it, it's, <clears throat> it's, um, it's like having computer screens open in the background on our computer. And so if we've, got, if we've accumulated a lot of this emotional uh, traumatic stress, if you like, and we don't know what to do with it, like it was the conscious mind is like, we want to go towards pleasure and stay away from pain. So our conscious mind is saying, well, I don't know how to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. Let's go do the thousand things that I can do right now to distract myself. And so it's like these window tabs in the background of the computer stay open. And we can go through life, but then we may get triggered or we may get a certain event happen to us. And these screens, if you like, come to the forefront and we get a large reaction about it. So that's one way to describe it. I forgot how much I love your analogies, Dr. Aaron. And also, um, if anyone's listening, they want to listen to you and I talk for almost two hours. We had a fantastic conversation more about your journey on the Adventure Creator podcast. Um, and, and as well, I joined you for uh, an afternoon retreat with a handful of men to talk about emotions, basically. Um, and we actually did some neuroemotional therapy. Is that what it's called? And maybe describe um, a little bit about what you were talking about. You mentioned um, the applied kinesiology um, and how that works, but there's so much that you just mentioned. There's so much in there that you just talked about from how the body stores different emotions in different places. And I think ultimately one of the biggest things that I've taken away from interacting with you is just understanding why some of these things are happening. If we just think we're stressed out today because of uh, like a surface level reason, or maybe we didn't sleep well last night, but then there's these underlying things um, that we need to work on. And what I find so interesting about your perspective on this is that you are a chiropractor by practice, but you're very, very focused on what's going on in people's lives outside of the physical. So when I came in with an ankle injury, you know, we, we sorted that out, but then instantly there's other things start to pop up as, as one thing gets looser and, and more um, flexible or whatnot than other places in the body where stress has been stored start to appear. Um, are there any things because maybe we're in a place right now where things are all good. Like we don't feel any tension or stress. Like maybe that's, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I had a coffee. I'm talking to you guys, but I know there's some challenges coming in the future. So are there any things that you do or you recommend to your clients to build that resilience, if you will, towards, um, when a challenge does arise in the future? Sure. Yeah. There's a few things that, um, 
Like one thing can be just asking the question, what's required of me right now that's uncomfortable? Like sometimes it's like, I saw a guy just yesterday and he had this big thing at work and he, that he said he put off for three months, he didn't want to face, and he tried to find ways around it and he wasn't sleeping well and he had all this stress. And so, yeah, you could get massages or get adjusted or you could do many things to help him not feel so uncomfortable with his body. But often the question is, well, if you feel that discomfort, rather than the conscious mind going, okay, let's get away from that, let's go towards pleasure, it's asking the opposite question about what is required of me right now that's uncomfortable. And so I always like the, um, one of my most humorous things about life is the, is the contradiction, it seems. Like, we all want to have more pleasure and less pain, but the more pleasure we tend to seek now, or the more comfort we're looking for now, the more discomfort we tend to create. But if we go towards the discomfort now, it just seems interesting to me how we tend to make more comfort because we're, you know, if we, if we want to have um, more discomfort in our spine, just sit in the most comfortable chair you can for the for 12 hours a day for the next month or two. You know, you're going to create a lot of discomfort in your spine, even though in the short term you're, creating, you're having a lot of comfort. So it's sometimes just those simple questions like, what is required of me that's uncomfortable? So maybe having that conversation with the boss, like in this gentleman's case yesterday. It may be facing up to some things. It could be taking responsibility for something. It could be um, putting, putting oneself at cause rather than blaming people around us. So those, are, those little things are important. I think another um, really important step is, I think we, we touched on it a little bit, Kyle, in that little mini workshop I did, is just understanding our own drives and our own... Uh, meaning and purpose is so important. So I call them an exercise around finding people's personal truths. Uh, it's the study of axiology, which is the study of human, human meaning and purpose. Because understanding that will allow us, will give us an idea about well, what is it that I'm driven towards? What is it that I want to make a difference in? What is it... Um, gives me an idea about my own perception about why I perceive things a certain way. Because if people have got a certain different set of personal truths, then we're going to see the world very differently. Like I say to people, we don't see the world how it is. We see the world based on our experience of our nerve system. So if we're feeling super stressed and uptight, then surprise, surprise, the world around us seems pretty stressed and uptight. And then once we understand about what our personal truths are, then it really allows us to focus on um, and, and gives like a, a few keys of understanding, okay, this is important to me, this is not important to me, I see it this way because of how I see the world, these things I'm going to label nice, kind, caring, these things I'm going to label mean because they go against my, my personal truths. So understanding that concept can really, um, make, can really make a difference. Definitely. That's, that's really interesting to think about. And I know you touch a lot on alignment and that's like a, that's something that's pretty central to, to your practice. It seems like, um, and then I also loved what you said about 
uh, kind of going towards things that are uncomfortable. Cause that's another thing that we've talked about on the show a lot is how sometimes stress is the entry level for neuroplasticity in your mind and going towards things that are sometimes difficult actually creates more neuron connections in your mind, which ultimately flows up to your perception of the world. And just like mm-hmm. you're saying, if no matter what's going on in your body, it's reflected in the way that you're seeing the world in some way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we like to focus on in this, on this show specifically is just giving our listeners very tactical, tangible advice that they can plug into their daily life. So yeah. I'd be curious to hear from you um, just because it sounds like in, in Kyle's experience, this too, like a session with you is incredible, mm-hmm. right? You feel very hands-on. You feel like you're there. You have all these answers in the moment, but what are some things that our listeners can take away from not having a personal session with you, but something, things that they can think about daily or plug or activities that they can do to just plug mm-hmm. into their life every single day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good question. I like sometimes answering it the opposite way that people may expect. So it's, um, having some time where you're not thinking, having some time where, you, where you're playing. And just like a class I, I did yesterday with a friend of mine, we were doing these strange, silly movements. And uh, like I said to people, if you feel like what you're doing, you're looking silly or you're looking a little bit stupid, then you're probably doing it right because that's the conscious mind just taking a break. Like just that conscious mind of, I should be doing it this way, I should be doing it that way. Maybe I should be better doing it this way. Maybe that's not right. Maybe this is more correct. Having times where you're just being silly and the mind's like, well, this, this is a bit weird. Like giving, giving that conscious mind a break, just like, just like children would. So having some moments where you just play, just play, just silly play. It's so relaxing for the brain. The conscious mind gets to, have a, gets to chill out. You get to make new nerve connections because you're doing something new and you're failing, but you're not beating yourself up really hard about it, just like a child would. Um, so some, some moments when you get to play rather than like a, a thousand things to do list, all of those things are beautiful too, but just some moments when you get to like, just play, let loose, be silly, having, having some time for that, especially for the tension and the seriousness of the last 12 months or so. Um, that's one thing. That's yeah. I, I remember talking to you, Dr. Aaron and you told me a little bit about one of your clients and how they were complaining about how work just was so hard and they were not enjoying it at all. And you basically asked them, what would it look like to bring more play to work? You don't need a whole new job. You don't need to go have a crazy transition in life, but how do you bring play into the work that you do? Because there's probably some chiropractors out there that see their job as uh, an accountant sees punching numbers into a spreadsheet, but you see, the same exact activity as a life-giving thing that brings you joy and that you have purpose around. So what are some of the things that you would recommend there to just bring play into the day-to-day? Yeah. And there's, and there's times, there's, there's certainly times where it, it feels more like work. Like I'm not sitting and playing La La Land all the time, but it's, it's the moments when I'm less in my head. When I'm, and and there's, there is times where you've got to like learn how to do a skill and you've got to break it down and like, you know, very, uh, consciously and using a lot of brain power to, to understand how to do something. But then it's um, the less I'm in my head and the more that I'm just in my body and, and trusting and touching and feeling and really getting into the, um, really the, the feminine, like creating and flowing and playing. Um, often with a lot of guys I see, if I say to them, okay, do, do this little stretch or do this exercise five times in a, in a, in a, in a masculine mind, 
it's like, well, if I do it 10 times, it's twice as good. So it's like doing it, pushing it, doing way too much, go, 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 give me some steps, um, which is all well and beautiful, but it's moments when we can just ease out of that mind and go into that play. Um, I had someone recently who was really upset, really stressed, because she was saying, in her, in her perception, people around her weren't doing the work, and she was always doing the work to kind of clear emotions and to be able to see the world differently and, and turning up in a different way. She's like, I'm always doing the work. I'm doing the work for my partner. I'm doing my work for my family. I'm doing the work for my clients. I'm doing all this work. And so similar to, the, to what you're saying, Kyle, I said to her, I was like, what if that could be play? What if that could be like doing the work and doing the play? Like going and being silly somewhere or going shifting emotions by playing or shifting the, the emotions by singing or dancing or jumping in the ocean. It doesn't have to be sitting down and writing out lists and lists of certain things. So um, if people have access to it, one thing that's always beautiful is being in nature. If it doesn't matter the weather, just having time in nature and feeling it on your skin. Breathing in nature, observing nature, observing the, the cycles of nature. Um, that's, a, that's a beautiful exercise for people to do. If they're able to get, even if it's a park or... Um, being out in nature is, is something that's a, um, a really, hopefully, a simple thing for most people. The other thing is just moving in a in a um, moving in a way that gives you joy. There's, there can be a lot of emotional charge around this word exercise, just like there can be a charge around the word diet. It's often said to people, I don't want you to ever diet. I want you to eat food that feels nourishing and joyous for you. Like, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Or what does moving in a joyous way look like for you? What the heck is that? What does moving in a way that gives you joy, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And then do some variation with it. So move in a way that's, that's different and playful. And so often if people are not used to that, they'll be like, what is that? And they'll ask me. But I'm like, you go discover it and tell me about it next week. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's incredible. And I, that's that's spot on to a lot of the a lot of things that I've experienced in my own life just through physical movement and and practicing with yoga and then paying more attention to nutrition and and what's going into my body and how it connects to my mental health and just output in general. So I'd love I'd love to hear your take on kind of how cuz I know you're involved in the yoga community as well. And so and I know these two things kind of are a slight contradiction to each other, just the concept of being aligned and completely in formation and how, and how you should be, but then also flow and movement. And um, yeah. so I'd kind of like to hear your take on the balance of those two things, but then also on how uh, just movement in general flows up into your mental health and um, your perception of, of yourself, but also of the world and kind of like how, what that connection looks like and what's going on physiologically in the body that's making those um, reactions happen. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a negative feedback loop. So if we have certain thoughts and feelings then our body's going to manifest that in a certain way. When I used to work with um, autistic and ADHD kids, we'd play these games about someone walking into the room and like, tell me what emotion they're feeling. And then we did it in reverse. Like, if you were really sad, what would you look like? If you're really happy, what would you look like? And so children know about how the body will manifest what's going on in our head and what we're feeling. And it's a negative feedback loop. So if we've got a certain stuck posture for a period of time, 
we're going to be giving what we call disaffrontation, like a, like a bad signal, if you like. So we could have a, a nice computer, but if the Wi-Fi signal is not great, then the image is not going to be great. So if that signal going back up to the cerebellum and into the motor cortex is not great, then that's the, then the brain may be going, oh, okay, there's probably uh, stress here. Perhaps there's a stress here, so the amygdala is going to stay more alert. So it's don't go into relaxed mode. So it's that negative feedback loop. If the body's in a certain posture, the mind's going to have certain thoughts, potentially going to have certain feelings, and vice versa. They did a study at a university where they, where they strapped these, these university students University students are always great guinea pigs. They, they strapped them to a chair in this forward uh, posture, and it was harder for them. They didn't know what the task was about, but it was harder for them to, to think of uplifting images and for more hope and positivity in the future than the people that were in an upright position. So it's that, it's that negative feedback loop. And the way that I see alignment, so yes, alignment in um, uh, structural alignment and in, in how like the freedom to express emotions and that alignment to um, our personal truth, like understanding what our personal truths are, because we, if we expect ourselves to live outside of them, that we're not going to have alignment and we're going to have frustrations. But to me, that alignment is, um, it's not rigid. To me, that alignment is just understanding, okay, this is where I feel in my alignment. This is where I feel in my alignment. So to me, it's a real crossover with that flow. And yes, some of yoga can be, quite rigid. Some of yoga was designed um, by the masculine, by men, like, like that control, like warrior pose, like stay in, that, stay in that alignment. And I think there's a time and place for that. I think it's, that's really cool. Um, but there's absolutely a time for understanding that flow, understanding that my pelvis wants to tuck under or understanding that pelvic tilt, understanding my, my knee alignment may be different to the person next to me. So those individualities, I think, are really important. I think there's a time and place for that, for that rigidness and that focus and that control, but absolutely important to have that, to have that flow. Um, there, was a, there was a breathwork teacher of mine in Sydney. She called herself the renegade yogi, and she really planted a lot of seeds for me and um, just being in a posture but then flowing into it, like allowing the spine to have some waves and the, and the pelvis to move and, rather than all these rules. Um, and, and, a, and a big thing with the group work that I, that I do my best to um, express is finding your own rhythm and um, rather than copying everybody else, rather than being a sheep, rather than listening to everybody else how you should do it, finding that for yourself. So once we have that alignment, what, is it, what does it feel like when the chest and the manubrium sternum is up, the head's back, all of this, but then what does it feel like then to bring in that flow? What does it feel like to collapse into that? What does it feel like in different places? So it's really finding people's own, own rhythm with their own alignment and their own, their own flow. Like it's a bit of a um, play with it. It's uh, very coincidental that you bring up flow and how that connects to our feminine side. I just did a, a wellness warrior takeover, which is where I take the Instagram account from a mental health nonprofit called the Scooty Fund. And I, the topic that I focused on this week was balancing our masculine and feminine sides. And the punchline that I kind of came to and the angle I came to it from was 
if we are out of alignment, if we're leaning too far masculine, bottling up our emotions, trying to stay too rigid, like kind of what you're talking about physically, but also emotionally in our relationships or whatnot. Yeah. Or on the other side, if we're too emotional or we're like too loosey goosey or whatever, you know, there's all these different kind of elements of feminine and masculine. Having a balance is so key. And I'm going to tie that straight into the symphony platform, which is built around the idea of balance. If you want to live a healthy life, you can't just be a master in one area. You need to like dabble in different regions and and continue learning. So my question is, how does having a good balance of our masculine and feminine sides impact our mental health? Yeah, nice, nice question. Um, how does it impact our mental health? Well, it allows us to, to practice. It's like asking someone, how would throwing a football help you in being a quarterback? Or, you know, like it's, it's, it's that practice. Like I get to, like the, the, the concept and the understanding of it is one thing but the practicing of it is where the rubber hits the road. It's like, how do I practice being the wild man? How do I practice being the, the archetype of the lover? How do I practice being the, the young curious boy? How do I practice being um, someone who feels anger and rage? I saw a guy, again, it was this week, and he's like a meditation guy. He reads a lot of books on spirituality. Um, really lovely guy. His father was quite a... Um, bottled up kind of angry person so he's he's kind of done the opposite like he's done so much of the spirituality but he's um he's not sleeping he's got this inner turmoil still and he's trying to meditate more so my my role for him was like express the anger express the rage like express that and he's like oh i don't but i've been working on not doing that i was like exactly just you can only put the lid on a volcano for so long but rather than this judgment we have around emotions, like I want to be more of this or less of that, that's when, that's when we run into trouble. Because we have this judgment thinking, well, if I practice this so much, then I'm going to have less of this one, then I'm going to be okay. But we live like the full quantum field of the universe that we live in is both sides. So how do we get to practice both sides? We can't all just be peaceful living under a tree forever. We've got to, like, there's moments when, okay, let's, let's um, without impacting anybody else how do we practice that anger that rage that frustration um and i i tell clients one one entity that can always handle that is nature like screaming under the ocean or or, um chopping some wood or going for a big run or nature can handle that like nature is the feminine nature can handle is the is the vessel is the chalice that can handle the 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 insecurities and the anger and the frustration of the masculine so that's why a lot of you know a lot of guys they love going out of nature. So um, how it helps with 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 mental health, it's knowing that if I get to practice these different elements of it, just like if we're doing a, like a sports game, if I get to practice these different elements of, like I'm going to use a rugby analogy, which may not be that um, relevant to your listeners, but if I'm going to tackle, if I'm going to practice tackling, passing, kicking, all of these different skills, then of course in a game I'm going to be a much better player. So if we get to practice these emotions in a healthy way around anger, around frustration, around grief, around sadness, around vulnerability, vulnerability is a big one. That's, that's hard for guys. That, that's hard for me. Um, if we get to practice, and practice joy and practice play, if we get to practice that, in the game of life, we're going to be way better prepared and way more 
way more centered and, and balanced because we can, we're going to be more resilient and adaptable for everything around us. Super well said. Super well said. My uh, microphone over here is dying. I've got wind blowing over here. Um, we're coming up on 30 minutes. Matthew, do you have any other questions for Dr. Aaron? Um, I guess I would, I, I know we briefly touched on it, um, just on the nutrition side of things, but just, just out of curiosity too, I would, I would like to hear your take on, uh, your own personal nutrition and the foods that you like to eat and, and how you think that connects to kind of everything that we've been talking about so far. Nice. Uh, yeah, well, I'm in Mexico, so it's, it can be a little bit, it can work in my favor sometimes and it can work against my favor sometimes because I think one of the toxic, most toxic things that we're exposed to is reheated vegetable oil. So, and if people don't know that, then they're going to just buy the cheapest oil um, to cook with. And so, a lot of things here are cooked with that vegetable oil. So, we're going to make a conscious effort to have less of that. I mean, none of that is always best. Um, but otherwise, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, having a lot of the fermented foods that the locals but whatever's from that area. So rather than, yes, a good probiotic is really important, um, but wherever you live, what is it that people in that area uh, use as fermented food? So it's here, it could be sauerkraut, it's uh, kombucha, it's uh, polke, which is from the agave plant, and they, and they put it with different flavorings, um, just to allow that microbiome to be strong and, and to be diverse. Uh, sugar, Coca-Cola is a nasty, I mean, I don't drink any of that stuff, but Coca-Cola and sugar is obviously a, a nasty one that uh, impacts people. But I, I do my best to um, get good quality meat, get my fermented foods from different sources, uh, vegetables from the local, the, the, the Friday farmer's market is on now, so straight after this, I'm gonna go back down there. Um, Organic eggs, of course, so you're not having all that grass, that grain-fed inflammation coming at you. Um, yeah, it's, I, there's some things I've got good access to here in Mexico, some things not as much because it's a small town, but um, good oils, the good fats, fermented food, good protein source, good plant-based stuff. Um, I'm certainly not perfect. <laughs> we're all doing our best though right and then um just one more thing too that i'm curious about and i think that our listeners will appreciate as well um is just any books or resources or podcasts or websites or anything that you've listened to or, or personal favorites that have helped you on your journey that can potentially help some of our listeners as well yeah lots yeah good question um Tequila would be on that list too, if that last, those last <laughs> things about food and drink. I really, really dislike tequila in New Zealand, but the tequila here is good. Um, yeah, I, I used to read a lot of books. I don't read so much anymore, but I do, I do like listening to interviews and podcasts. So Brene Brown is someone that I've really enjoyed listening to lately. Uh, Love she her. does a lot of work around vulnerability and, and connection. Uh, Joe Dispenser, of course, that brought me to Mexico. I've been following him for a a long time he's got some great interviews out there um, about the, the power to, to, to create something new um, dr. Bruce Lipton his books called the biology of belief we were we were lucky enough that he would fly down to New Zealand and he would he taught us immunology so if people want a good resource about understanding the immune system 
Dr. Bruce Lipton and the power, and he took, he, he's a cell biologist, he was basically doing um, stem cell research before it was called stem cell research about how cells change according to what environment they're in. So our environment plays such a huge part. And, and I see a lot of people that come out of their normal comfort zone of North America and they come down here to Mexico and their world's so different and everything starts unraveling and changing. So it's really powerful. Um, I could give you a lot of names. Dr. John Demartini is a, has been a mentor of mine for a long time. He's, for me, he really um, linked the mind and the body really powerfully for me and about how uh, the quantum physics and the quantum field and, and finding that, that full quantum and how emotions will will push us away from that full quantum and how to balance them up. He's really powerful. Um, Dr. Gabor Mate, I've been listening to him lately about his addiction stuff. Um, his, his stuff's been really cool. Yeah, I, I, I could go on, but that's... That's a pretty that's good a, list. <laughs> that's a good list for, for people to dive into. Yeah, people are pretty busy. Doctor, I mean, the last one would be um, Dr. Zach Bush. I really like his work. <laughs> My girlfriend works for his company, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah really at Farmer's good. Footprint. Yeah, I just had his uh, little restore drink earlier before. It's from him. Is um, it the Ion Biome one? It's the restore something. Okay, really, yeah. Um, yeah, his stuff, the thing I love about him is his ability to, A, he's, I always have, for me personally, I always uh, hold more credence for people who are not only obviously educated and um, studied a lot, but are people who are actually on the ground, you know, helping people. So, you know, Dr. Zach Bush coming from emergency room physician stuff, but his ability to link up how the environment's impacted, how nature's so impacted, like his ability to do that is really beautiful. And his, um, his, his podcast with, with Rich Roll, it's pretty long. I think it's like two and a half, three hours. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's half stuff. It's cool. Yeah. It's, Gives, gives us hope for humanity but he's one of those special kind of humans that wow he really he, um, he did an awesome post the other the other day I think or the other week about um, autism and now in his in his opinion that there's so less brain power being used for language and understanding um, comprehension that they're more of a of like a five dimensional way of seeing the world and uh, very differently to how how we see it and that really connected with me because I used to work with uh, kids on the autistic spectrum and um, and it's sometimes I thought oh, am I here teaching them or are they teaching me you know, there's, yeah there's there's mysteries and stuff that we don't understand that I find pretty interesting so there's plenty of names to keep people busy absolutely yeah. Well, this has been, this has been fascinating and there's, there's so many more things that I feel like we could go into. And I, I, I know that we hope to have you back on the show at some point so that we can continue to pick your brain and, and get more insight and resources from you. Um, but I've really enjoyed this conversation and I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, really, really cool question. So it's cool that you guys are doing, doing these things and looking at um, how we can, enhances human experience and looking at the feminine and, and looking at that neuroplasticity like it's, it's it's important stuff you know it's awesome yep and a lot of the stuff you you just talked about today has given me some, <laughs> some channels to go down some some uh, strings to pull on and learn more um, we'll link some of those 
resources that you mentioned. And uh, if anyone does want to follow you, you got you to drop your Instagram here because you're always sharing good insights. And then also highly recommend if you make it down to anywhere in Nayarit, Jalisco, if you go to Sayulita, got to come in. Got to come into uh, Paraiso Yoga and see you. So let folks know where they can find you. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm in this small little cool town in, in uh, Mexico where we, I work in a few different places at retreat centers and we host little small retreats or see people one-on-one and do group stuff with collaborations with some amazing people down here. Uh, Instagram, I'm not, I don't post that much on there, but I've got stuff on there. It's uh, being aligned. I think it's Dr. Aaron, Being Aligned, uh, you will find me. Uh, the website's the same, beingaligned.com.au. Um, yeah, any questions, reach out. Thanks, guys, for the work that you're doing. Thank you, Dr. Aaron. And uh, till next time, thanks for listening. Micropod Monday, you can check out what we're doing on the symphony at thesymphonyco.com. And we're going to be getting on Clubhouse. We're going to be just doing some cool new things to try and engage a little bit more and provide more value to our community. There's uh, a growing community here and we're stoked that everyone is uh, getting involved. So thanks for listening. That, that wind is crazy. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> I've been like muting and unmuting my mic this whole time. So I don't know funny. what to do. It wasn't happening before this, but um, yeah, thanks for bearing with me guys. <laughs> Peace.